citizens, and welcome to Unknown. I'm Jason McClellan. Thanks for hanging out with me. Journalist and author Mike DeMonte recently announced that he's written a follow-up to his book, Punk Rock and UFOs, Cryptozoology Meets Anarchy. The new book is titled, Punk Rock and UFOs, True Believers. Rogue Planet's Shane Hurd and I recently chatted with Mike to learn more about this upcoming UFO book. Well, Mike, I want to jump into talking about your new book because I'm really excited about it. But first, I guess we'll we'll roll back a little bit. And I'd like to know, when did you make the decision to transition from a casual observer to someone who actively, journalistically, explores the UFO topic? Ooh, uh, good question. So um, I think, you know, I, I, one of the things I, I mentioned in this book is there's a commonality between people who are into this stuff and research it. And it usually starts with an experience, whether it's a sighting or, or something, something sparks that or ignites that flame in our heads. And um, for me, you know, as, as a kid, I was really into this stuff because my mom used to get me the, uh, the Time Life books. Every, um, it was like a book series. Every month there was a new book. And um, one, one month would be like Mysterious Creatures or the UFO Phenomenon. And it, all, all the unknown stuff really interested me. Um, but my interest really didn't skyrocket until I first saw something. You know, I saw a, a very familiar sighting. I saw an orb in the sky. And ever since then, I just felt more compelled to kind of uh, dig deeper. And after I wrote the first book, um, the first book is very uh, theory-driven. Um, this one, I think it's a, it's a better, uh, more focused um, version of what I was going for because there's more research involved and there's other people's inputs, including yourself. So thank you for... <laughs> For your help. <laughs> Absolutely. Shane, did you have that Time Life series book, the, the book series? You know, as a matter of fact, yes. I thought Can you, you believe it. <laughs> yeah, pre, pre-internet days. Yeah, that's right. Gateway drug, those books. Oh, absolutely. Well, so after the release of your first book, Mike, uh, did you experience any kind of, I love asking people question, this question, uh, people who get involved in UFO research and certainly people who release a book, because when you release a book, you know, your friends and family like clearly see that you release this book because you're posting about it on, on social media and stuff. So after the release of your first book, did you experience any kind of increased interest in the subject from friends and family? Um, more, more so from uh, outsiders, okay. um, from people um, who I shared mutual friends with that I eventually met. Um, or for example, I would have a friend who would share something about it or, and then, and then it would kind of snowball from there. Um, but the, the increased interest really came from, I mean, honestly, I'm not just saying this it really started with, uh, the first time I was on rogue planet. Okay. Um, that was the first podcast I ever did. You were the first one to really kind of discover me. Um, so the interest in the book and the brand, I guess, started with, with you. So I'm very thankful and grateful for that. Well, um, I couldn't be not not be intrigued because, <laughs> you know, punk rock and UFOs are two of my favorite things in the world. So naturally, it was a perfect fit. Yeah. So 
Um, no, I appreciate that. But it, it's where, you know, it's hard because, like, the, sometimes you try to have conversations with people, even, like, your close friends. And, they, yeah. you know, sometimes you're kind of dismissive and sometimes family's open-minded. But it's still hard to really engage certain people. Um, actually, a few weeks ago, I was in Chicago. I was there with my girlfriend and her friends. And um, they we, they saw something. We actually – they saw something when we were on a boat tour. I didn't see it because I was too busy nice. playing on my phone. <laughs> and, um, I actually you – know, I posted about this on my blog. They actually saw um, an orb in the sky that okay. split up into various other orbs. And it was like – it wasn't just them. You know, They weren't playing a trick in my ass. Other people on the boat, and they saw it too. So that night afterwards, you know, we kind of had the conversation and they were asking me questions and um, they were very open minded and fascinated. And um, one of her friend's brother was there and he's going to get his master's in uh, physics. He's going to be a physicist. Mm. And he was very open minded. And he says, uh, absolutely. Mathematically, there's other life forms and universes mm. in the universe. Just mathematically makes sense. Um, so it's always good to have those conversations where people are open-minded and they want to know more. And yeah, I'm sure after, after the first book that those, those conversations happened a lot more. I love that. Um, Shane, what about you? After you, uh, started working with MUFON as a, a field investigator, did, and people in your, your close circle found out about that, did, did more people start talking to you about UFOs? Yeah, surprisingly, I was quite nervous about it, and I was kind of in the closet on it for yeah. quite some time. But as I, um, you know, kind of presented it to people, especially from, you know, an investigative standpoint, and um, and they were kind of shocked to hear that there's an organized effort, and, you know, and it is taken seriously. Then, you know, it raised a few eyebrows. They, uh, you know, were acceptive of it, and... Um, you know, I'm going good and strong right now, and I get a lot of support from my family. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, Mike, your new book is a follow-up to your first book, like you mentioned, and you kind of already touched on this, but I'll ask you more directly. So how does the focus of the new book differ from that of the first book? Um, it's more focus in general. Um, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. So basically it's, you know, it kind of plays off some of the, the concepts that I talked about in the first one, you know, in terms of our process of belief and, um, but this one more concentrates on, um, two main goals, why we should care about this. Um, how do we get there? And also the commonalities between the people who research this stuff and the everyday people. Um, I try to, I, so the book is basically written, where it's compelling enough for people who've been interested in this stuff for years to still find something new and interesting in it. And it's also written um, accessible enough for people who are not familiar with the topic to read it and learn something as well. Um, so that was the main goal um, of the book. And it's really, I always tell people, it's kind of a call to arms for try to try to get people to care, you know, to care about this stuff. Because we have a lot of uh, barriers and a lot of um, factors that kind of get in the way of that. So... That's the main goal of the book. Um, and I think the name True Believers, it all kind of goes together very well. You mentioned barriers and obstacles. You want to touch on that a little bit? Uh, what, what do you see as, as some of the barriers and obstacles that we face when trying to address this? Um, so, I mean, there's multiple ones. One of the things that I actually quoted you about is, you know, because you do such a great job on your website of choosing articles to run and how you source those articles and how you're able to differentiate between what's hoaxes and what's not. Um, obviously, you know, hoax videos and all, all those things are barriers as well. But yeah. I think the main thing is, you know, we kind of live in a world where this is just not a priority for people. 
Right. Um, these vast secrets of the universe. I mean, I understand people have families, they have, you know, finances, you know, things that, that take precedence. I get that. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned that so much of us, you know, so many of us, you know, we just, this is a hobby. You know, a lot of us don't do this for a living. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we devote a lot of our free, free time, emphasis on the word free, um, yeah. you know, to, 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 to looking into this stuff. So I think the main barrier is getting people to care, um, you know, just a little bit, just to kind of question things and just to, you know, start looking at, you know, history and, um, start looking at, you know, some puzzle pieces and try to put them together on their own and start doing some of their own research and just start reading more, um, you know, more things that they never read before in terms uh, on the subject. You know, even back when I was working with Open Minds, that was a big challenge back then, um, just trying to dig into sources for particular stories and, you know, try to validate the the, the news that was being delivered or, or you know, actually authenticate them as, as valid sources. Um, because even if the publication, the, the media outlet that was reporting the story was a respected outlet, you still have to look at where they're citing, where that information is coming from and what to make of that. You know, it was a big challenge back then. It's an even bigger challenge now, I think, because even if you're looking at like a Google news feed, you know, for a site to get listed under Google News, Google has requirements of a site to regularly publish stuff, um, you know, on a daily basis and essentially have some meat to the, the, the content they're posting. It can't just be like a paragraph of, of reposted stuff from somewhere else. So they have some requirements, but at the same time, uh, not so much. So as long as people are, are posting to sites regularly, they can apply to be Google News sources to come up in, in Google News feeds and things like that. And if you look now, well, if you've looked at all over the over the past few years, it's just become filled with absolute garbage websites when it comes to sources for UFO news. A lot of sites that have names that sound like legitimate media outlets, but they're not. They're just absolute garbage sites that are that are somebody's blog trying to make money, but they're posting the most absolutely ridiculous news stories with no credibility behind them, no sources to cite from, just this most ridiculous information possible with UFOs, and that is the majority of the sites posting UFO news now. So... As a journalist, when I look at UF, UFO stories now, it's increasingly difficult to quickly, without you know spending a lot of time, again, our free time, uh, diving into a lot of these sources to determine what's legit and what's complete BS. Yeah, exactly. I think just um, the nature of the subject itself, you know, you always have to kind of look at it with a skeptical eye, just because, like I said, just the nature of, of the topic. Well, on that, let, let me ask you, because as a journalist, what's your opinion of how the media in general treats the UFO topic? Um, I think, it, I mean, I think it's getting better. Um, in general, you know, one of the things I talked about in the first book was, you know, there, there'd be a story, but there usually wouldn't be too much follow up on it. Um, right. I think nowadays, um, I don't know, so it's hard because you have to understand how, you know, the media works. The media is very, it's, it's ratings driven, it's, it's click driven. Um, so when this stuff runs in print or when it's given, um, you know, proper proper television time, that means, you know, 
um, it's obviously getting interest from people, which yeah. is a good sign. And I think it's getting more respected now, so more than ever, just because, you know, the Pentagon UFO story and how mainstream outlets are covering it seriously. They're taking it seriously. Um, so so that's a positive. Um, it's, yeah. just, it's just keeping keeping those stories in, in the news cycle is really hard just because, I mean, I, I worked, you know, in the media for seven years uh, full time. And I understand how how hard it is to get stories to stay up, I mean, not even just for a day, for, for a couple of hours, you know. Um, yeah. if a story is not clicking well on a website, you know, it, it gets moved, it gets moved, you know, or buried or, um, you know, the same thing with uh, broadcast as well. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we talked about obstacles and I think, uh, you know, there are plenty of internal obstacles too. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thought on this, but internal being inside the, the, the UFO research community or the, the, you know, UFO community as we call it, um, with just a lot of conspiracy-driven stuff, a lot of infighting, things like that. But also this this idea of the media, and it's on the same page as the government. You know, the government is this big singular thing. People like to think of the media as this big singular thing, just this, this one thing that's controlled by some evil force that has some agenda and, you know, controls what, what news gets released. Um, and as a journalist, you know, we, we, we know that's not, not the case, you know, and I, I like to point out many times that the editors, the people who are choosing the stories to be published, um, you know, are often just young kids you know, who, who have a, a number quoted to me. They're, they're just thirsty for content and they, they need more content. They don't care what it is. They're going to put it up on the site and see what works. So, you know, what's your take on that? Do you, do you think that, you know, for that, you, you work for many big media outlets. Do you think there's some evil overlord controlling what stories get published? Um, I wouldn't say there's like a big evil overlord that's trying to censor stuff. I don't think it's in that case. I think, in my experiences, the the overlords were supervisors who were wanting um, kind of uh, more salacious, clickbaity, celebrity based mm -hmm. stuff. I don't think it was a, a conspiracy to hide real news or bury a faux story. I don't think that was it at all. It was just more of a um, a vested interest in them to just kind of milk as many clicks as possible through you know right. more tabloidy stories. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly been my experience too. And, you know, some of the, the bigger outlets I've written for, you know, required a lot of uh, keyword research and, and things to determine what stories were generating a lot of buzz at that time, because you're right, the focus is, is on the click, it's, it's on the attention, it's on whatever is going to make the biggest splash. So, and certainly UFOs do that. So it's kind of counterproductive, counterintuitive to say that people are, are, sort of blocking or, or rejecting UFO stories because for some reason that information can't get out. <laughs> well, you're a journalist, you teach journalism, and you've now authored two books. Writing is clearly something you enjoy, but it seems like you focus on nonfiction. Is nonfiction writing what you prefer, or do you also enjoy writing fiction? Okay, so really good question. So well, growing up, I was really into writing fiction as a kid. I used to draw my own comic books. I nice. mean, my art was awful, but the storylines <laughs> really were there. And I used to write my own like horror fiction. And then when I was in high school, I discovered journalism. So that was my first love of writing something that's nonfiction. Yeah. And um, this is something that, that we've discussed. I've quoted you on it before that a lot of people in our um, in our industry, especially uh, authors, are are drawn to writing fiction as well. Yeah. And I always question if the lines blur. 
And mm. um, that's something I talk about. I go into detail in the book about as well about, you know, do, do, do we blur the lines when we decide to write fiction and nonfiction, especially on this topic? Because it comes to the point where it's hard to, you know, one of the points I make in the book is that uh, it comes to a point where everything kind of ties together, whether it's mythology, religion, fiction and nonfiction, they all come from something. They're all influenced by something that possibly happened. So in a weird way, they all kind of come together. I used to be really opposed to the idea of, you know, the lines being blurred, but I kind of get it more now. I see how they, how just through history and time, how a lot of these crazy fictional stories that we read, whether it's through comic books, movies, pop culture, were influenced by true, true events. You know, you're, you're also a, a big music fan, you're a music journalist too. So let me ask you this. Have you, have you thought at all about uh, your, your opinion, your, your thoughts on the possible connection or, or why it is that so many musicians seem to be drawn to the UFO topic? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I would just think because people who are usually drawn to the arts are a little bit more open-minded, I guess. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the best way to answer that one. Yeah, that's that's an opinion that, that uh, a lot of people share. I've heard that answer many times, and I, I think that's probably right. Um, all right, so name of your new book is Punk Rocks and UFOs, True Believers. It's out July 31st. Where can people find it? Um Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, and also, you know, uh, with all digital um, assets like iTunes, Kindle, etc. All right, and talk a little bit about your your website because after your first book came out, you launched a website and really have developed that into its own kind of awesome media destination. So tell us about your website. So I, I decided to start the website after the book just because um, you know the book got good got a good reception and I started getting a small following and I just want to continue um, the research and I want to do things different. Um, there's plenty of sites out there that do a really good job of aggregating articles of, um, of, of, of their own content of basically mm -hmm. coming up with their own content. So I want to do something that was slightly different and also something that I wouldn't have to work on every day just because of, of time constraints, right? Um, teaching full time, you know, it takes up a lot, a lot of the time. So I want to come up with something that was a little bit more magazine-y. Sure. But at the same time, um, it's hard, hard to describe. I want to do something that kind of blended the ideas of ufology, cryptozoology, and culture together. So I kind of want to, I kind of aim to, to do something that was feature-y, but at the same time still be, be able to break news when I was able to as well. So one of the things I like to do, I like to interview um, the researchers, the people involved in it, yeah. um, get their experiences, get their opinions on stuff, try to do different things, like getting to know you things as well. Um, and also just, you know, going behind the scenes. I, I think um, one of the bigger things I was proud of is when I interviewed uh, Ralph Blumenthal, who helped uh, break the New York Times uh, Pentagon UFO story. Yeah. And just to get his thoughts on kind of behind the scenes of the story. And there wasn't anything earth shattering in there, but it was just something good for readers to see how he, how they, um, how they, how they screen that story, how they came to the conclusion that yes, this is credible. Yes, this is newsworthy. So I try to do more serious stuff like that as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the site's goal is just, just be an extension of the book and the brand. And I hate saying that word brand, but yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But yeah. I, I will say I, I do that that is an element or the element of your site that I really, really enjoy is is you showcasing your your strong interview chops. You know, that that's fun to see okay. because that's that's something where, where you have tremendous skill 
it's uh, where you have a lot of experience. So showcasing that on the site in the articles that you you put out, it's pretty badass. I like it. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. So the site is punkrockandufos.com, right? Correct. All right. So aside from that, um, how can people contact you or follow your work? Um, punkrockandufos.com and at Twitter, at Mike DeMonte. Um, yeah, those are probably the best ways. Awesome. Well, Mike, I'm so excited for you. Can't wait for the book to come out. Make sure to uh, get a copy to me soon because I'm dying to read it, man. Awesome. Uh, I think I sent it to you, the PDF to you too. Sweet. I'm going to dive into <laughs> it, bud. Good luck with everything and keep us posted. Can't wait to hear how the book does. Awesome. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Unknown. This show is produced by Rogue Planet. RoguePlanet.tv is where we explore and celebrate all the strange. You can find Rogue Planet on Twitter and Instagram, and you can join in the conversation in our Facebook group. You can always email me at jason at rogueplanet.tv, find me on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter at acecentric. Thanks again to Mike for taking the time to tell us about his new book, and thank you for hanging out with me today. I'm Jason McClellan. Do me a favor, friends. Stay strange.